0: to the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of November 2015, entitled, The Most Important Two-Letter Word. And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Good evening, everybody. Lovely uh, hymn that we just sang, wasn't it? And I was just reminded in that hymn uh, one day that our flesh... Going to drop and we're going to rise. How wonderful that's going to be. You know, these bodies that are decaying, wearing out, they're going to drop. But we're going to rise. Wonderful thought. And our bodies one day will rise as well, the Bible teaches us. Um, Well, it's lovely to be able to bring the Word of God to you this evening. And the thought that we have for this evening is the most important two letter word. In the Bible, the most important two letter word in the Bible. Does anybody have an idea what it might be? The most important two letter word in the Bible. Okay, let's go and find it. Let's just have a look at the first time that it's actually mentioned in the Bible, and it's in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, and it's found in verse 7. And verse 7 is going to be our text for this evening. But we're going to read from verse 1, and we're going to read down to Um, verse 7, sorry, verse 8. Shall we stand to one of the words, reading the word of God? Verse 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very rough, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou rough? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and his his brother and slew him. Please be seated. Anybody have an idea what the most important two-letter word in the Bible might be? If, okay. Um, it's not stated anywhere in the Bible that this is the most important, but it could well be. And I'm going to point out uh, tonight why it probably is the most important word, uh, two-letter word in the Bible. It actually appears in the Bible 1,595 times. I didn't count that, um, but I did read that that was how many times it was. Um, You might think, well, that's a bit of useless information, isn't it? What does it matter if it's in the Bible 1,500 times? Well, I think it's quite interesting that um, often we don't see the importance of two-letter words. You know, the Bible says that every word of God is pure. Every word of God that you have in your Bible is important. And that two-letter word, if, we're going to find out tonight, is so important to the Christian life. Um, The reason why it's important is because the word if carries with it a responsibility most times. And um, that responsibility lies with you and with me. Let's just have a look at verse 7 because this is the first time this two-letter word is mentioned in the Bible, and it's actually mentioned twice. Verse 7 says, If thou doest well... Shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. I'd like us to see some principles um, in life from verse 7 in connection with this two letter word, if. And the first one is at the beginning of verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? There 's a question in there that God is asking Cain, and the first principle that we see here is that if we do well, if we do that which is right, we will be accepted by God let 's have a look again at verse seven um, remember that um, that Cain and Abel both brought uh, an offering to the Lord, okay they should have known. The, um, what they were to do, the right way that they were to do it. And uh, we see that, um, that Cain's uh, offering was not accepted. And God says to Cain in verse 7, he says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Um, we see that the first principle is, if we do well, we will be accepted. And it will be acceptable by God. We see that in verse 4. Through Abel. Let's just have a look what it says in verse 4. It says, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. We see here the biblical principle that Abel did that which was right in the sight of God. And God had respect, he had regard. For the offering that Abel brought, if you just keep your fingers in Genesis chapter four, we're going to go back to there in a few moments. Let's just have a look at uh, Psalm 128, and verse one and two, because we see the principle again of doing that which is right, doing that, um, doing well, and being blessed and being accepted by God. Verse one, the psalmist says, "Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord." Nobody's left out there. That walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labour of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. And again, we see the principle of doing well. Doing well with God and being accepted by him. That's a wonderful uh, promise there for each and every one of us uh, tonight. You might say, That is like that principle that we have, isn't it? What you reap, you will sow. If we reap, uh, sorry, if we sow that which is right, we will reap that which is good. Um, Let's just turn back to Genesis chapter 4. Let's just see here Cain. And we see something a little bit different with Cain. It says in verse 3, And unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And notice in verse 5, it says, But unto Cain and to his offering... Sorry, verse 3 says, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground of an offering unto the Lord. And verse 5 says, Unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. God didn't respect the offering that Cain brought to God. I wonder why was Cain's offering unacceptable? You know, there have been many Um, reasons that people bring um, why Cain's offering was not acceptable to God. And some people say that it was because he brought the wrong offering, he brought the wrong um, produce, if you like. We know that um, Abel, his brother, brought the firstlings of his flock, okay, to be sacrificed. And we know that the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We know that. And we know here that Abel, that Cain brought uh, the fruit of, of the ground. And some people say that he brought the wrong offering, okay? Well, I believe that we have the answer in it, Hebrews chapter 11. If you keep your fingers again, please, in Genesis 4. But if you just turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll see the reason why uh, Cain's offering was unacceptable. <clears throat> and... Here we have a chapter all about uh, the nature of faith and the people that were faithful in the Bible. And we read here of Cain and Abel. And um, we read um, in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen seen. We're not made of things which do appear by faith. And you'll read those two words many times together by faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than God. So we see here that the Bible gives us the answer why Abel's sacrifice was accepted, but Cain's wasn't. It's because Abel brought his sacrifice by faith. And that's why he was accepted by God. You know, God is interested in our worship tonight. He's interested in our service for him. But you know what he's really interested in? He's interested in the motivation, why we do it. And he looks at the heart. And that's what God was doing here. He says, by faith. We can do many things. But unless they're done in faith, they're not really going to be of much value with God. By faith, the Bible says, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. It might be because um, Abel offered the firstlings of his fruit, but it might also be because um, Abel offered that sacrifice by faith. You know, there are many examples in the Old Testament of God's people offering sacrifices all the time. But it wasn't by faith, and it wasn't acceptable by God. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It's impossible. God requires faith, and He requires obedience from us. You know, um, a few weeks ago, I was um, talking with a Muslim in the city centre, and uh, this Muslim man, he was trying to pick holes in the Bible. That's all he wanted to do. And I said to this Muslim man, I said, look, I said, if you're going to pick holes in the Bible, you're not going to get anything from it. Because the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you want to come to God and you want to know the truth, you need to come to this book in faith. And you'll receive. That goes for Christians as well. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Um, If Cain had done that which was right, and that which was well with God, like Abel his brother, he would have been accepted. But unfortunately, we don't read that he was. Um, I'd like us just to have a look at that two-letter word, if, in relation to salvation. Because this is why I believe that that two-letter word is so important in our Bible. Um, And I've just got a few scriptures for us to look at. And the first one I'd like us to turn to John chapter 6. And uh, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is called the bread of life. The living bread. John 6 and verse 51. And these are the words of our Lord. Jesus says, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. That's the origins of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where he came from. He is the son of God. And then it goes on to say, Jesus says, if, notice that two letter word, if any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of of the world, and what Jesus is saying here is that man, if he partakes of this living bread, if he accepts it, that he can live forever, he can live spiritually forever, and he can have a relationship with God. But notice that it depends upon a two letter word if he says, If any man eats of this bread, if you will partake. Of what I am offering you. Jesus is saying in this scripture. That he's going to give. Um, his flesh. I will give. Uh, sorry. The bread that I will give is my flesh. Which I will give for the life of the world. He's speaking about. The, the, the crucifixion. When he died on the cross. He gave his life. So that we may live. The living bread. And it's There. This evening for you to partake of. If the Bible says any man eat, any man partake of this bread, wonderful. Let's just turn to Acts chapter 8 and verse, um, well, we'll just have a look at a few verses here. Acts chapter 8, and here is a well known account of um, when Philip was, um, he met this uh, eunuch. Uh, this uh, Ethiopian, I think he was. And um, we just take it up from verse uh, 30, and it says, And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, and this is from Isaiah chapter 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speakest, At whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. Notice it doesn't say here that he preached unto him, the nation of Israel. Some people believe, and I had a Muslim man a few weeks ago telling me that Isaiah 53 was talking about the nation of Israel, that that would be a sacrifice for the people of Israel. Well, you need to read the Bible a little bit more closely than that. It's speaking about the Lord Jesus. It's a messianic prophecy. And Philip preached unto him Jesus. Notice what it says, verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. We see here that the eunuch was convicted of his need of salvation. And the eunuch said... See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And notice what it says in verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Notice that two-letter word in verse 37. He said, If thou believest... And we do see in verse 37 that this unit did believe in Jesus. He came to faith. He came to salvation. And he realizes that he needs to be baptized. Because that baptism is like a sign, an outward sign, of what has already happened in his heart and his life. That he died with Jesus Christ. And he's rising again to new life. And he wants to show that to the world. And that's what baptism is. And Philip, notice that Philip doesn't say to, um, to this eunuch when he wants to be baptized, oh yeah, come on, Philip. Uh, we'll just get you in, 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 the, in the font or in, in, the, in the tub and we'll just baptize. No, Philip lays down an important message to this eunuch which we need to understand tonight, especially if we're not Christians. He says, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. You know, tonight, and maybe throughout this day, there are many babies and many adults that are being baptized, but they've not believed with all their heart. They've not believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They have not come to salvation. They have not confessed their sins and repented of their sins and turned to Christ for salvation. Why is this? It happens so often. Maybe one of the reasons may be is because maybe the ministers that are doing these baptisms have not seen that two-letter word in verse 37. And, you know, it's very unfortunate tonight that in the modern versions of the Bible, that two letter word has been taken out. That's an important two letter word. If thou believest, thou mayest. And that's so important. There is no point in us getting baptized before we become Christians. There's a world outside of those doors that do not understand that message tonight, but it's laid out here in scripture very clearly. We get baptised after we've been saved. But notice the wonderful blessing, if thou believest, thou mayest. Wonderful. Have we been baptised as believers tonight? It's a wonderful thing to do. It's an opportunity to bring relatives in and to, to show to them what's happened to you. Wonderful. A wonderful opportunity to be a witness for Jesus. Notice Romans chapter 10, and here we have the Apostle Paul. And we see again the importance of this two-letter word, if. In verse 9, Paul says, if thou, if, thou, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But notice that this salvation is based here upon a two-letter word. If thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Wonderful promise that man can be saved tonight if he believes And he confesses Christ as his personal saviour. I wonder tonight, I don't know your history or your backgrounds, but I wonder tonight, have you confessed Jesus Christ as your personal saviour? I'm not asking, have you been baptised? I'm asking, first of all, have you been saved? Have you been born again? If not, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Wonderful. What a wonderful blessing that is, I promise. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Let's just turn to one last scripture here. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And this is the first verse that I tried to memorize uh, when I became a Christian. And um, really this lays it on the line, this verse. And it just basically, Paul is saying that if, if, any man being Christ he is a new creature amen all things are passed away behold all things are become new that's the new birth that's what jesus christ was speaking about back in john chapter 3 ye must be born again and when we're born again the bible says here that we become we are in christ If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Isn't that wonderful? The old life goes and the new life comes. That's wonderful. Has that happened to you yet this uh, this evening? You should know whether it has or not. There should be a change and a difference. The things that you love to do, that you don't love to do them anymore. The things that you used to read and look at, and you used to love the kind of music that you did. That really we shouldn't love those things anymore. And listen, I'm preaching to myself tonight, as well. As I'm preaching to everybody. I need to hear this message tonight and be reminded of these wonderful truths from scripture. If we're in Christ, we're a new creature. All things that are to pass away, all things become new. Wonderful. You see, man has a responsibility tonight. And that responsibility is to do well and to do what's right with God. Let's just have a look at that word, if, in relation to the Christian walk a little bit more. If you just turn to the book of Proverbs in chapter 2, and we're going through the book of Proverbs at the moment, and um, we're looking at the wisdom of God in the book of Proverbs, and uh, what wisdom that we get from this book, and we see here in chapter 2, you know, God has provided everything that we need to live the Christian life. You know, the, uh, the pastor often say, says that when we're born again, that we receive the Holy Ghost, the Spirit. It's not that we receive him in parts, here and there and everywhere, and a little bit here. No, it's not like that. We receive the person Of the Holy Spirit. And we saw this morning in our Bible class that He dwells within us. And He gives us grace. He gives us strength to live the Christian life. Because without it, we wouldn't be able to do it in our own strength. But we can do it. The Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over you. Wonderful. Notice here that the Christian walk doesn't just happen. When we become Christians, We can't just fold or put our hands behind our heads and our feet up and just imagine that the Christian life is just going to be a breeze and we're just, everything's going to go well. No, there has to be some obedience. And we see that in verses 1 to verse 5. Let's just have a read. And Solomon here is speaking to his son. And he's saying, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thy, thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. Verse 4, If thou seekest her as silver, searchest for her as for hid treasures, then here's the blessing. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Notice that the word if here is very prominent in these verses. You see, God wants to give you tonight the knowledge and the wisdom and the fear of God. He wants you to know it tonight. But it's based here upon a two-letter word. And if we want to know these, these things, it depends upon what we do in obedience. Notice it says, if thou wilt receive my words. His words are in this book. And he says, if thou wilt apply them to the heart. And you see, that's the Christian life. It's not about having a Bible in your home and just having black and white black words in prints on pages. It's about applying them to our hearts. Otherwise it's just going to be hypocrisy and it's going to be a book upon the shelf. He wants us to be obedient to it. If thou wilt receive my words. Yes, Solomon's talking to his son, but he's giving him God's instructions. And God wants to give us his instructions tonight. Um, Galatians chapter 5, we looked at that this morning in our Bible study. But Galatians chapter 5, and uh, we read here of the, um, the works of the flesh, Paul says, which are manifest, which are made clear, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, and he goes on. Okay, and these are the things that we do in the flesh. These are the things that we do naturally as unbelievers and as lost people. But then he goes on to say in verse 25, he says that if we, if the Christian, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If we call ourselves Christians... And if we live in the Spirit, then we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to be obedient. Let's just have a, a look at uh, 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to turn back there just before we finish tonight. But 1 John chapter 1. And we see again the importance of that two-letter word about walking with our Savior. And uh, Peter, he loves these these. Words in this uh, chapter, he calls it the, the sandwich, the spiritual sandwich, yeah? In the sandwich, you have a piece of meat, you have something that's very nice, uh, but on the outside, okay, there's something that we need to understand, okay? And um, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, notice the two-letter word, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also have fellowship one with another with Christians as well. And then he says, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. The Apostle John here is saying that if we walk in the light, we'll have fellowship with God and we'll have fellowship with one another as well. And sin can be forgiven. It can be put under the blood. How wonderful. Um, Let's just have have a look at one last scripture in this uh, part of the message. And uh, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. Verse 17. And Paul says, For the kingdom of God is... It's not meat and drink. It's not these temporal things. It's something a little bit more important. And he says, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Then he says, verse 18, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. May our lives as Christians... May they be acceptable to him. And may they also be approved unto men as well. Let us have a good testimony. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Let's just have a look, Genesis chapter 4, and we'll have a look, lastly, at the second part um, and the second principle. Because, you know, the opposite is also true. If thou doest well, Shalt thou not be accepted? But he goes on to say that if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. You know, Cain is the type here of the world. And like Cain, who refused to do well. Sin lied at the door of Cain's life. He refused to do that which was right with God. Let's just have a look in verse 5. It says, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. But unto Cain, uh, And Cain was very rough. When he realized that God was not pleased with him and his offering was not acceptable, we don't see here that he repents and does that which is right. But he gets angry and he gets jealous. And he gets envious. These are the works of the flesh. Cain is an example of the world, what it's like. And he says, and Cain was very rough and his countenance fell. Have you noticed when we're not happy, we're angry, maybe we're jealous, we're envious maybe. You notice the countenance of the face. That's the fall, isn't it? That could be seen here in the garden um, with um, Cain and Abel. could be seen notice what it says in verse 8 because it didn't just stop there with the countenance but it went a little bit deeper and Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and what did he do he slew him which means he killed him he murdered him The Bible says that whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you see here that sin remained. It it lied at the door of Cain's life. We don't read here in chapter 4 or even in chapter 11 of Hebrews that Cain repented of his wrongdoing. And I believe that that's probably what that expression means, sin, lieth at the door, that it, it remains there. And it's not been taken away. Sin lieth at the door. You know, that describes the world today. That describes the lost person today. Sin lies at the door. It's not been removed, it's not been taken away. The Bible says that the whole world lieth in wickedness. That's 1 John chapter 5 and verse 9. And you know that one day. The Bible says that that wickedness will be judged and man will be accountable for what he's done with his life. Let's just turn to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 6. And here the Apostle Paul is speaking about um, the works of the flesh and and he's mentioned in fornication and so on. And he says in verse 6, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. You know, that wrath is abiding right now. And there is going to come a day when that wrath is going to be poured out. God is not happy with sin because he's a holy God. The Bible says that his eyes are too holy, too pure to look upon that which is iniquity. And it needs to be taken away. And it's only taken away in the person of Jesus Christ. How wonderful. You know that that sin which lies at the door of the lost will never be taken away unless they turn to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He died for our sins. You know, we were on holiday in, um, in August and uh, we were watching um, Sky television. We don't have TV in our home and I'm not saying that anybody has to get rid of their TV, okay? Um, but, you know, when we have the, uh, the TV there, we just we take advantage of it to have a, a quick look at some of the Christian programs. And, you know, you have to... Spent a long time flicking through those channels to find something good sometimes. Um, But we found the channel, and um, there was a show that was on, and um, there was a pastor there, there was um, a Christian um, interviewer, and there was also a man who called himself a Christian universalist. I don't know if you know what a universalist is, I, I've known what a universalist is for a, for a few years, but I didn't know that there were so-called Christians that called themselves universalists. But he was on this show with these other two uh, Christians, and um, this universalist was basically saying that, um, that one day God will save all of mankind. And one of the scriptures that they will use to teach people this is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Shall we just turn there? 1 Timothy chapter 2, and it's found in verse 4. Just in case, you know, you, you come across this teaching, you may do, you know. Um, the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. Well, that was new for me. I I, I never heard that one before. Uh, but this is one of the verses that they use. And um, First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 says, And this is speaking about our God and our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And the Christian, so-called Christian universalist says, it's God's will that all will come to the knowledge of the truth. And therefore, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. All men, no matter what happens, In this life, one day, even if they die, will one day be accepted by the Lord. And you see, what this man seemed to fail to realize is repentance. We've been looking at repentance tonight. You see, repentance is something that we do now in this life. There's no purgatory after we leave this life, there's no second opportunity. The opportunity is right now, because when you leave this life, the decision that you have made has already been decided. You've chosen, you've made that decision to accept or reject salvation. Well, this man seems to think that he will get an opportunity and all the whole world one day, possibly even the devil, will be saved one day. Let's just have a look at a few scriptures to, to show that that cannot be true. And here, the words of the Lord Jesus, Luke chapter 13, Luke 13. And I won't read all, the, all these verses. You can read them at your pleasure a little bit later maybe. Um, but Jesus says basically in verse 3, and he says it twice. He says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, repent means to turn 180 degrees, not turn 360 degrees, It's 180 from the pathway that you're going in. You turn to Jesus Christ. And he says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And he says it again in verse 5, just to make it clear. Just turn to Acts chapter 10. Sorry, Acts chapter 17. And uh, we've nearly finished. Just a few more verses. Acts chapter 17. And um, verse 30, and here Paul is speaking about the times of ignorance that God winked at, but it says, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You see, now is the time to turn, and he commands it. God commands it. I wonder tonight, dear friend, does sin still lie at your door You know, I was thinking tonight about the Passover, and um, you know at the Passover, they used to kill a lamb, and they used to sprinkle, they used to put the, the, the blood on the door lintel and on the posts of the blood uh, of, of, the, um, of the door. And that blood was to be a token. it was to be a sign. If that blood was applied, then the person that was inside that house was safe. That speaks about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we apply his blood that he shed upon Calvary to our sins, to our house, if you like, then we can be safe. We can receive forgiveness. How wonderful. You know, sin sometimes lies at the door of the Christian also. Um, let's just turn to our last scripture tonight, First John chapter 1. And, you know, we all need to be mindful um, of this because we're sinners still, but we're saved by grace. But we still need the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives each and every day. You know, the Bible says that we're to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. And, um, you know, sometimes we're quite good at deceiving ourselves. and We think that, you know, we can be walking in one direction and worshipping in another direction. And those two things don't go together, you know. And we need to check ourselves. We need to examine ourselves as Christians sometimes. And um, we need to do it often, actually. But 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. Notice that two-letter word again. John says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what do we do? We lie and do not the truth. We're all susceptible this. But notice what it says in verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How wonderful that is tonight. How is it with us tonight, dear Christians? Do we need that blood to cleanse us from our sins? Maybe the thoughts that we've had. Maybe the words and the the actions and the reactions that we've had today. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Wonderful truth in his word. Just one last statement this evening. May we all, by his grace, do well. Do that which is right and be accepted by our Saviour. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you tonight for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, dear Lord, for the wonderful salvation that you have brought to us. We thank you, dear Lord, that you came to save us from our sins. We thank you for that message tonight. Repent, ye, and believe the gospel. Oh, Lord, we just pray tonight that if there's one that needs to repent, if there's one that needs to turn to Christ for salvation... We pray that they won't walk through those doors tonight without knowing Christ as their Saviour. And Lord, for those of us that are Christians, we pray that we may do that which is right in thy sight tonight and be accepted, be acceptable, Lord, with you. Help us, we pray. Help us by your Holy Spirit. Give us your strength. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.